Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening colour. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musicians shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is Philippa White, founder and CEO of the International Exchange, TIE, as she calls it, linking future leaders from the commercial world with social initiatives across the globe. Born in South Africa, growing up in Canada and finishing her degree in Thailand, pretty international, Philippa then moved to London to work in advertising. But with a family that came from, as she says, the helping people industries, she wondered where the soul was in the industry she nevertheless loved. A turning point came at her uncle's funeral, an inspirational man who was Nelson Mandela's doctor. Philippa witnessed speeches from people of very different circumstances that her uncle had reached out to and supported. She saw, as she says, the power of expanding your personal circle, of breaking through barriers and stepping out of your silo. The International Exchange, or TIE, was launched in 2006 as a catalyst for change, giving professionals in the private sector the opportunities to shape the future of their industries and companies and help to find revolutionary solutions to some of the world's most intractable problems. TIE now works with some of the biggest companies from the communications and financial sectors and has created accredited online programmes for corporate clients and professionals around the world who don't need or don't want to be sponsored by their companies. Philippa White is my business shaper, all the way from Brazil. Hi, thank you so much for having no, me, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. Welcome to Jazz it's Shapers. A real um, pleasure. A journey, a journey, Philippa, uh, that started in South Africa, that went to Canada, that moved around over here and over there, that's gone from one industry to another, yep. that's now trying to empower people and solve the biggest problems in the world. Do you like change? Good question. We're, we're comfort zone disruptors. And I think if I didn't like that, that would be a bad thing, I guess. Do I like change? I like change, I think. Although it's funny, I've been in Brazil now for 17 years, which is the longest I've lived anywhere. And a lot of people do say, oh my gosh, you know, really? Are you going to keep living there? Is that what you want? And it's funny because yeah. And so then, okay, maybe I don't like moving around as much anymore, but I also have two younger children and maybe that's why. But I think because the world is changing so quickly, there's so many challenges that we do face, but I feel like being in Brazil, I'm at the front end of a lot of the things. Like right now we have incredible flooding, you know, the challenges from COVID, you know, life is changing so quickly and I'm certainly not stuck in my comfort zone and I'm not stuck in a silo and I'm constantly having to kind of reinvent. We had to reinvent Thai in the face of COVID. So yeah, I think I do like change and I think I do like not feeling set in something. And that's perhaps why I like being an entrepreneur and doing what I do where I'm doing it. Now we met and we worked in the same business for a yes. while, 17, 18 years ago. You were in the advertising world and you wanted to make a change. And, and we heard earlier about the, the precipitation moment, which I want to come back to, and your yep. uncle's funeral and all that. Yep. How difficult was it for you mentally to move from the world of communications, which is my background too, to this, to this life-changing, transformational changing thing? Or was it actually looking back the easiest thing you ever did? So I remember after we worked together at 
Leo Burnett, I worked at BBH and I was at BBH for a couple of years. And I remember... Advertising agency founded by Sir John Hegarty, a former jazz shaper. Yeah, who's actually one of our mentors for Thai. And yeah, he was on, on my podcast as well. Amazing man. He talks about do interesting things and interesting things will happen to you. But as far as that move, many people did say, oh my gosh, you know, that's the riskiest thing you're doing. You're really, you're quitting your job and then you're going to move to Brazil? And it's funny, I remember when I did a business degree and I could finish my degree in Bangkok, Thailand. And where I studied business, it was one of the best business schools in Canada. It was expensive. It was high profile, all this kind of stuff. I remember somebody stopping me in the hallway and saying, oh my gosh, Philippa, you're really going to go and finish your degree in Thailand? Like, this is the best place you could be. And I remember saying to her, but I I can't learn what I'm going to learn in a classroom where I'm at. The things I'm going to learn in Bangkok, Thailand, I'm going to learn things that are just, it's impossible unless I go there. And when people, it's sort of the same thinking when people said, you're you're really taking that huge risk. And I remember thinking, I think it's more risky to stay where I am, where I've I've created this business case. I know there's so much potential. I mean, worst case scenario, I go back and get another job, but I have to try. And I guess I've just always been quite entrepreneurial. I quite like following my heart and having conversations, and then seeing seeing what can happen and then connecting people and being like, well, let's just try. You know, if you don't try, it's never going to happen. And I, I think, you know, you can overthink things, but unless you try, I don't know, and then it works out and it has done now for 17 years. When you set this thing up back in 2006, Philip, could yeah. you have imagined that we'd be here now 16 years later having a conversation about the fact that you're in 25 countries, that yeah. you've changed X thousand number of lives. I mean, at that point, was it just, I want to do something meaningful and I don't really care where it goes? Or was it, I'm going to build a scalable empire that's of change? such a good question. Wow, that's a really good question. So I knew our main markets were, because my first clients were Leo Burnett and Wyden & Kennedy, two agencies in London. Well, global, but they were the London agencies were my clients. And because I went to Brazil to pilot it, the organizations we supported were in Brazil. So I think my view at the beginning, because I was an entrepreneur, I was funding this myself. I was, you know, after I got the job, I, I moved to Brazil for six months with the savings that I had which as if you know anything about the advertising world as an, you know, an account manager, you don't make a lot of money. So it was like very limited funds. And I was sort of funding this myself for six months. And I'd created this business plan. And then I went back to England to freelance a bit at Crow and a, and a few other agencies to then get more money to then pilot this. And I think at the beginning, my vision was if I can just make this work and I don't have to go back and forth to England to just live and be able to sustain my life, I will be happy. The objective of Thai has obviously always been unleashing the potential in professionals. It's always been making an impact to organizations and communities around the world that wouldn't normally get that help. It's always been empowerment and creating those incredible leaders that have the competencies that the world needs now. But from a personal point of view, it was, okay, I just, I just need to be able to live without having to get on a plane and freelance at agencies in London. What's fascinating is obviously we've been through a lot. The world's been through so much, you know, COVID and everything. And we've, we've revamped it and pivoted and all those words. 
We've grown our, you know, the base of the organizations we work in, which are 25 countries around the world. And we work now not just the communications world, but also the financial sector and different countries. So we've, you know, we have our companies in the U.S. But actually recently I was speaking to one of my mentors and he did ask me, he said, what is your manifestation of Thai in 10 years? Like, what is success? And that is really interesting because I feel like we are at a point now, there's so much potential and there's so many conversations, so many companies I'm meeting with, everyone's getting really, really excited about this because it really is the moment where so many professionals are looking to expand horizons, broaden their perspectives, step out of silos, be able to make real change, connect with people who they would never normally connect with. So many people are desperate for that. And companies want people who have cultural intelligence and embrace diversity and are able to be more flexible. And And so it's our moment, actually. And so it's now it's just figuring out where to go from here. But it wasn't your moment in 2005. You think about all those things you just said around the importance of empathy and kindness and flexibility. Was it ever thus? Great people do that and they have that and they want to embrace it. What did you face when you, if you can just go back to that moment, you yeah. land in Brazil, yeah. you find a place to live, you're setting this thing up, yeah. there's only one person in the world that knows what that's going to look like, and that's you. Yeah. How did that feel right then? Um, that six months, basically, like when, when I arrived, well, I also didn't speak a word of Portuguese, so that was hard. <laughs> like, talk about being out of your comfort zone. I mean, I arrived... I remember having to take a bus and I was taking Portuguese lessons and meeting with local agencies and trying to figure out what this model is really going to look like on the ground, like really how it's going to happen and trying to sort of speak to people who have a bit of English and making sense of everything. That was scary, but incredibly like unbelievable. Talk about adrenaline rush and just like, this is amazing. And I loved it. I'll be honest. But as far as making it all happen and, and turning it into something, I mean, I have to say that was... Once we got the pilot going and we actually made it happen, then I was able to kind of, okay, I think that there's potential here. But just to your question around, was it our, you know, it was not the moment of where we're at now. And I still have to say, thank God for those companies that believed so much in me because it was a risk, you know. And I remember talking to Helen Dougherty, Bruce Haynes. Is it the HR director and the CEO of Leo Burnett, Burnett at the time. Yep. And... Stuart Smith, who was the planning director of Widening Kennedy at the time. Again, I am so grateful to these forward-thinking leaders who understood the power of this and why it was so important, and they were ahead of their time, you know? I, I had a global perspective because of my background and because of what, you know, what you talked about with regards to my uncle's funeral, but not everybody had that vision. And the companies that embraced Thai from the beginning did. And I have to say my hat goes off to them because it was... Now it's more acceptable, I guess, but it wasn't then. Much more coming up from my guest, Philippa White, in a couple of minutes. But right now, we're going to hear a clip from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions. They can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Mishcon Derez, Robert Lewis, and leading parent consultant, Rachel Vecht, discuss how to talk to children about difficult topics. The Mishcon Academy digital sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. 
each parent knows what is right for their child and needs to take into account their emotional temperament and their stages of development. And every child is different. So some people might have a child who's very sensitive and anxious. Another child may be unbelievably laid back and resilient. So I don't think it's a good idea to pretend an issue isn't there, especially if your child has started to ask questions about it. But of course, you need to think how to frame that conversation in a way that's appropriate for their age. And just in terms of understanding what to expect from different ages, I thought I'd just go through some of the basics in terms of children's development. So with like the three to five age group, I mean, you might not choose with them to have the news and all these images blaring because even on basic news channels, they can be quite graphic. But three to five year olds on average are at a totally egocentric stage of development. So really all they care about is whether they are safe and how things impact them directly, which means when you're having those conversations, they don't need a lot of information. They just need two or three explanatory sentences and it's more about asking them what questions they have. So for them, you know, be aware of the radio and the news. For primary school age kids, they not only want to know if they're safe, they start to worry about if other people are safe and they are at a more logical stage of development. So with this age group, I'd probably start by saying, you know, when you hear this story or what, you know, what are you worried about and it's also about not trying to talk them out of those feelings so saying things like it's okay don't worry about it but really I mean what parents do is act as that kind of emotional container vessel to validate and acknowledge and normalize some of those feelings the Mishkan Academy digital sessions to access advice for businesses that is regularly updated please visit mishkan.com Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You can enjoy all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast. And indeed, you can hear this very program again, if you're feeling so lucky. Uh, all you have to do is pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. But back to today's fabulous guest, Philippa White, founder and CEO of the International Exchange, linking future leaders from the commercial world with social initiatives across the globe. So those first few years, Philip, you, you, you've made the leap and I can, I can hear the adrenaline junkie in you. Yeah. I can see as you're talking, you're so animated, you're going, God, I just like creating stuff. That was, <laughs> that was absolutely brilliant. Obviously, the act of creation had to continue because once yeah. you got over that hump of not having to go backwards and forwards and you're Portuguese. I can I, now, my children were born in, in Brazil and they only speak to me in Portuguese. I also had to have babies in, in Portuguese. So when you have a being being pushed out of your body. You do learn, you need to know. You do learn that language, yes. <laughs> it's literally survival. You're like, I need this, so you better work <laughs> out how to say it. Um, those first few years and the realisation that you were actually going to settle yes. in, in a place and you were going to then build this thing. Yeah. Again, just take me back to some of the, the, the challenges, if you can recall, that you faced and talk to me about those and just how you overcame them as well because here we are again, success looking back and hopefully success going forward, it doesn't yeah. just happen. God. Well, uh, we all remember what happened in 2008. Um, so uh, I have to say when people would say, no, like the most amazing companies were born out of a recession. <laughs> I have to say I sort of launched Thai in 2006. We had the first two projects in 2007. I remember I had so many companies lined up and then 2008 happened. I was like, 
oh my God, are you kidding me? So we had one company, Widen and Kennedy as well, Ryan Fisher, who's actually still at Widen's and he is the MD of Widen's London. So he was our third person to ever go on tie. But I would say the challenges that I faced, I mean, I thankfully our model has evolved, but there's many challenges. One, the way that we used to work and we still do now, but it's not the only way we do it, is people would physically have to be out of the company for 30 days and they would be immersed in a completely different environment to sort of run something from beginning to end. We were expanding to New York, and luckily through the contacts and the agencies that we worked with in London, it was a little bit easier. But I have to say, one of the challenges that we really did face was, as we know, New York is a tricky market. People don't even have holiday. (laughs) They don't even take lunch breaks. So then trying to sell in a, come on, they can be out of the office for 30 days. Like, that's absolutely fine. So that would be hard. I would say some of the other challenges were we properly change people's lives and we properly ignite new ways of seeing themselves, their purpose, how the world works. If that's not embedded in a really strategic way within a company, uh, which we believe really strongly in entrepreneurship. So I don't know if entrepreneurship is obviously making change within a company. Mm. I believe the future of this planet is having more forward-thinking companies. We need to create more leaders that are able to make change within companies. So we do need to ignite that way of seeing themselves and seeing the power that they have making change within a company. But if the company hasn't totally embraced this experience, you have these ignited professionals who then don't know what to do with that energy. And until we figured out how the application process could work, how to really embed it in a company, you just create a whole lot of amazing professionals who then are like, well, they leave. I, I, I need to quit. <laughs> yeah, which is not where you want to go. The, the, the other question I have in mind uh, with regard to the challenges, obviously, knowing the the NGO world pretty well, and I know you're a for-profit organization. Yeah, we're a social enterprise. Social enterprise. Knowing how, quote-unquote, competitive it is to help, and all those that are kind of, when people think about charities, what they don't always know is how complicated they are yeah. in, internally. Yeah. Have you, as you built your own organization, were you conscious of not making the mistakes or not replicating the kind of cultures that other similar organizations have done? Or were you, did you not even think about that? I don't even think it's relevant, actually, to what we do, because what's fascinating is Thai is, is sort of the catalyst to this change for individuals. And we use the partnership with these organizations to create that catalyst for change. Individuals are immersed within these organizations for short periods of time and help them for short periods of time. But there's no real risk of Thai becoming like, we're a small organization, we're tiny. We just provide that process to immerse people in these organizations. And actually, just I'm not completely answering your question, but it's an important one. What's fascinating is a lot of people from the private sector, because they, so many people want to be able to make impact. They want to be able to make change, but they don't really know what that looks like. And they think the only way to do that is to work in an NGO. The thing is, is if you work in the private sector, it's very possible that your desire to work in an NGO, it wouldn't fit Mm. because NGOs can be quite slow, very bureaucratic. They don't have the access to the resources that we have in the private sector. And so what's really interesting is having gone through time, many times people realize, no, you know what? That's not really what I want to do. And actually, I really like where I'm at. And actually, I just need to see myself and my role in a different way. And that's what we're doing with Thai. And so we, again, it's a catalyst. We create that catalyst for a different way of seeing themselves and seeing the world that they work in. 
In terms of how many people have come through the programme since you set up, do you know how many there are? Uh, yeah, I would say now because we work in cohorts, so yeah. it used to be individuals. As I mentioned, we had the immersive experience. Now we've evolved. We, we do corporate and individual cohorts, mm. groups of six people. So now over 100, I think. And in terms of the, the changes that you've seen in people... Yeah. And the impact that then they've gone on to have, or the, yeah. as you said, different perspective they've taken of their own lives. Just talk to me about a couple of the most distinctive examples of those where you've gone, wow, yeah. that just really happened. Yeah. Well, I think a really nice one, and this has just come to mind because we're both Leo Burnetters, which is, I think, quite fitting, but I think it's such a perfect example. What we really want people to do, and we sort of touched on this throughout this conversation, but we really want to ignite people's purpose. We want to ignite people's understanding of the power that they have. And, you, you know, we don't have to wait for tomorrow. You don't have to wait for somebody else to do it. The time is now and you can do it. And I think one fantastic example, uh, Alice Hooper at the time, uh, she's now married and I don't know what her last name is. She was the fourth person from Leo Burnett to go through the experience. So we had Chris, who was the first one, and then Ed, and then Harry, and Alice. And at the end of every experience, we do some type of evaluation. And this particular one, she was in Brazil, and we were sitting around the corner from where I live, and we were drinking a coconut water. And she said, you know what, Philippa, it's so funny. I remember seeing these individuals coming back. And she said, there was always something different about them, but I, I didn't know what it was. And she said, it's so crazy, because I've got that now. And she said, it's so funny. I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I could see there was something different. And she said, but I, I now know exactly what that is, and I have to do something with this. And she went off, she went back to Leo Burnett, and she set up Leo Burnett Change. Now, I don't know if you remember, it's, it doesn't exist anymore, but it was a global division within Leo Burnett, which was focused on making a difference. Now, this was not not-for-profit. They won their first piece of business, which was a 10 million pound piece of business with UNICEF. So if we're talking about return on investment. But it was also Leo Burnett Chicago won the first ever white pencil award with the DNAD called Recipes. It was a campaign called Recipes. And I mean, anyone could Google this and you can find the information. And she won numerous awards. But what she said that she had discovered, what that difference was, was her purpose. And she said, you know, it, this has unearthed a new way of me seeing myself, of me realizing that actually I can change the way that things work here. I know there's more that we can do within the system. And I think that's what Ty's all about. And that, for me, is a perfect example of, of what can happen. And you, has it happened to you? I mean, I know you obviously ignited your own desire to go do something, to go and say, you know what, I want to make a different impact. Families from the, the caring professions, as yeah, it were. Yeah. What changes have happened for you over this period? Oh, God, that's a really good question. I mean, I've sort of been following this path that I, I kind of felt like I just needed to follow it. And I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs feel this. You sort of, you start doing something and you're probably quite competitive with yourself. So you just kind of keep going and there's, you know, failure is no option and you sort of keep going. But whether I had known what my purpose was, as in, what is this all about? I think that has become really clear for me over the last, certainly the pandemic really, really pushed me. You know, we had one very specific model, which was people traveling internationally, and my clients were only corporate. And obviously that completely blew up with COVID. And I really had to dig deep and see how resilient I really am and really understand, hold on a second, is the essence of Thai dependent on traveling internationally? No. 
actually the essence of Thai is so needed for so many reasons still. We just need to figure out how to make that possible. It's so funny because Thai is all about limited resources and constraints. And in those circumstances, what is possible? So with limited financial and human resources, time resources, people are able to create such extraordinary solutions following the Thai process. And COVID for me, because I've been through that so much with Thai, it was like I had to take my own medicine a little bit and see, okay, Philippa, you got to follow this process basically and see if you can make it work because you have no option. And suddenly I was able to dig deep and realize that resilience, but also sort of following that, be like, okay, it is possible. Limited time, limited financial resources, everything, make it happen. And I proved to myself that I can do that, that our team can do it, and that we've actually come out so much better as a result. And I probably realized more of my purpose and what what we're all about, what I'm all about. Like I, I, I say to people, COVID was like the worst thing, but also the best thing that could have ever happened to us. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Philippa White's my business shaper for a few more minutes. If transformation of the individual and transformation in terms of the country where the work is going on that's helping a local community in some form, whether it's stoves or whether it's, I don't know, so recycling, whatever it might be, it doesn't really matter. If transformation is the thing, Philippa, and you, you talked about it before, this 10-year vision for you and this 10-year vision for Thai, where will it end up? Where do you want it to be? If we were having this conversation in 2032, what will have happened? What will have been transformed? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think one of the challenges that we had where we had to physically send people to places and it was one person, it was not scalable and we weren't able to impact one, as many people within a company, but also as many people in the process. And so one, I'm really happy with where we've got things right now because now we can work with cohorts at a company, we can bring more cohesion, we can get more people through that. There's still obviously a limited number of these types of experiences we can do without sort of really growing tie. But I would like to be getting those numbers up as far as more companies because that it's just more and more people within a company that can get involved, which that's our objective. Obviously, the more people that can get involved, the more entrepreneurs and more purpose-driven individuals we have, more people understand what's happening around the world, and then more change can be made from within companies. But when I'm looking at where Thai is at in sort of 10 years' time, there is so much content that we have. As you can imagine, we have incredible stories that have involved extremely incredible people um, from so many different backgrounds, and the material and the stories and the insights that we have is extraordinary. So what we're wanting to do is almost create like an academy. We want to be able to create a place that companies can have access to that information. Maybe it's workshops, inspirational workshops. I do a lot of info sessions and I have webinars and I have people joining them. And it's just amazing when I've got people from big banks that it's so easy for everyone to get so stuck in silos and in their little you know worlds of having the same conversations with people and going to the same pub and the same places on holiday. And if I can just open up people's minds a bit and just have people seeing themselves, but also the world in a different way, I feel like I've done a little bit more of what 
I've been, you know, that's what I want to do. So if we can find a way that we can scale that a little bit more, maybe it's more digital, we'll still be doing these programs. But if I can just make it more accessible and this information more accessible to people, then, um, yeah, I think that would make me happy. It's been lovely talking to you. That's a really clear vision, by the way, and I think the whole learning and development piece has legs of its own, will be monetizable, I'm sure, in a good way so that you can then go and fund even more projects. So the best of luck. It's been so lovely seeing you after all this time. And you're here in in London, which is fabulous. Enjoy Brazil again. Just before I let you disappear, though, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? So it's Take It Easy, My Brother Charles by Jorge Benjor. He's a Brazilian artist. This is quite an old song, actually. Uh, he's just talking about the the first time that he saw the man step on the moon. And he said that just filled him with so much inspiration. And so he sings about love. He sings about hope. He sings about positivity and liberation. And he wants to inspire other people too. And that's what he's singing about in Portuguese. That was Take It Easy, My Brother Charles, from Georges Benjour. I hope I pronounced that properly. The song choice of my business shaper today, Philippa White. She talked about the importance of learning and said you can't learn it in a classroom. You're just going to go and have to actually learn it in the real world. She talked about that classic entrepreneurial attitude of just doing it. Don't overthink it. Let's just give it a try. What's the worst thing that can happen? Creating catalysts for seeing themselves and the world differently is a really big part of her mission in life and of Ty's mission. And finally, that lovely thought of the time is now. You can just do it. Absolutely brilliant stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishkon.com forward slash jazz shapers.